Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. In the second hour of the show, we talked about the great flattening. We explained what that is and, and why it's very bad and why we as conservatives need to be the ones to fight against it. It's this idea that uh, there is nothing that's good or bad or better than anything else at all. There's no such thing as excellence or beauty. It's all the same. No matter what your life choices are in any way, you can't judge and everything's just the same. And we must reject that in every way. So we presented that on today's show. That was in the seven, seven o'clock hour. So you can check out the, the Sirius XM podcast full show to check that out. Cause it applies to everything that we talk about always. Uh, we talked about one thing that we'll talk more about tomorrow and that is TikTok being used to by China, right? China pushing these videos to convince people not to join the military, which is a big problem. We may actually have touched on that in the first segment here. Let's just get right to it. This is the first segment of the show today where of course we had to talk about what happened in the Senate chambers over the weekend and how it's, of course, your fault. This Senate story, it's one of the all-time greats. So if you missed it this weekend, good for you. <laughs> Welcome back. So now you got to know. There's a senator in Maryland. He's 80 years old. Senator Cardin. Been in Congress since 1987, 36 years. And now for this point forward, for the rest of his life, he'll be known as the senator who's one of his aides. Is the perfect case study of the hypersexualized woke left. This guy in question here. Uh, as a Berkeley graduate who majored in society and environment. Can you believe that that's a major at a, at a place? Society and environment? What kind of phony baloney nonsense is that? Society and environment. Anyway, it all makes perfect sense. So this staffer guy took video of him having sex with a man. Is that even what we call that? That's, is that really even? Anyway, gay sex with a guy in the Senate hearing room. The Senate hearing room. Apparently, it's right where Senator Amy Klobuchar sits. So some congressman took a picture of the Clorox bleach section in a Walmart and said, I'm doing some Christmas shopping for Senator Klobuchar. So this guy's filming himself having gay sex with a guy in the Senate hearing room. All right? You got it? So he took a video. So here's the best part. His response. His response to it is such a window into the mind of these progressives. Always the victim. It's beautiful. This is a work of art. You could never come up with this, with this, with this uh, statement. You could sit for a million years. You would never come up with this. You just don't think this way. You could never think this way. Here's what he said. Keep in mind what he, what he got caught doing. This has been a difficult time for me, he says. As I've been attacked. So to start right there, you would never get caught doing something and then spin it around as being attacked. You would never do You wouldn't even think that way. This guy, so, it's been hard for me because I've been attacked for who I love. To pursue a political agenda. It's beautiful. You're attacking him for who he loves. See, everything is about identity. What a, what a window we're getting here. What a glimpse into the mind of a progressive. There's no accountability for behavior ever. There's no like, ah, busted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ah, you got me. Darn it. I knew we should have done that. Or that you do the George Costanza excuse. Was that wrong? Remember when George Costanza had sex with like the maid or something? Or the, the janitor or something on, on his desk? Was that wrong? Could have done that, you know? But no, it's about identity. There's no behavior. The left has no concept of behavior. You should never be held accountable for behavior. Homosexuality for them isn't even a behavior. Homosexuality is an identity. Kids consider themselves gay before they've even had sex. 
So if you say, hey, man, you can't have sex in the Senate hearing room, you're attacking who they are. Because there is no concept of behavior out of people. It's wild. All right, next line. While some of my actions in the past have shown poor judgment, just some of them, nothing specific there. And by the way, just poor judgment, not immoral, wrong, disgusting, shameful, I'm embarrassed, none of that, just poor judgment. I love my job and would never disrespect my workplace. Any attempts to characterize my actions otherwise are fabricated. You're lying. Sure, I took a video of it, but but you're lying about it. So this is not an accusation from someone who was walking by the Senate hearing room and happened to hear something and peeked in and then went to the newspapers and talked about it. You took the video and spread it around and uh, these efforts to characterize his actions are fabricated. Now, here's the best part. I will be exploring what legal options are available to me in these matters. It's amazing. It's great. Ah, it's so good. Legal options. Who would you sue? That is the ultimate turnaround. That's so good. Imagine if you punch someone in the face and then you say, I can't believe you did that to me. I will be exploring my legal options. The person will be like, you, you punched me. What do you, what do you mean you will be exploring your legal options? All right, so that's just like perfect story. Now, it's all great and all. A little story of a, of a deviant voyeur. Okay, certainly a sociopath. Like only a sociopath could come up with that. And sociopaths think they can do whatever they want all the time. Like this guy. But then NBC News comes out. NBC News says, Senator Cardin's office has parted ways with a staffer who conservative news outlets alleged was shown in a leaked video in the Senate hearing room. Conservative news outlets. So Breitbart. It's Breitbart's fault. Breitbart says... Not a thing that actually happened, but there's actually a video of. Breitbart alleges. That's great. It's a good Republicans pounce. Can you believe Republicans would do such a thing? That's how the left works. Somehow blame Republicans. In no way was Republican in any way involved in this whole situation. But uh, it's some, somehow Republicans fall. That's so good. Uh, this is great too, but I don't know who did this. I don't know who can do this. I don't know who has the capability of doing this, but someone found a video of the Senator talking about January 6th and uh, the Capitol and how the Capitol and the Senate chambers and others are a sacred space. January the 6th, like December the 7th and September the 11th is a date which will live in infamy. I refer to U S Capitol as sacred space because it's so much more than a building where the Senate and the House of Representatives meet and conduct business. It is the embodiment of our ideals, our aspirations, and hope, not just to Americans, but also to all of humanity. By the way, this is way worse than January 6th. I'm close. Wilford Riley. Uh, He said, hot take. Well, no prude. I think that allowing people to have public sex and worship demons inside your government buildings is a sign of societal decline. I would, I would say so, but who are you to say? Speaking of societal collapse, we have more men winning women's sporting events. A, a man took a scholarship at the University of Washington volleyball team. And uh, this is a good one. This, this is what we've been saying for a while now when it comes to men competing in women's sports. It's the men, like reg- other men, can only do so much. Part of this is on you, women. When you have Leah Thomas, the woman who won, the, the guy who won the women's swimming meet, right? <clears throat> won the national championship. And you have 
seven other women on the podium, second through eighth place on the podium, and all of them applaud when the guy gets his medal, except for one, Riley Gaines, who's now an activist on this cause. But when six, six of the seven women applaud the guy, what do you want me to do? I can only do so much here. You're not only competing against, uh, continue to compete against the guy, you, you're applauding him and you're calling him her. And uh, you, I, I'm, you're really undercutting our efforts here when you guys do this yourselves. So this is great. This is on Breitbart.com. A woman got third place in a cycling race to two men. So the men got first and second place. And, and there's a podium and the woman's at third place. And Martina Navatarolo, she's a big te- tennis player. She's all over this. Uh, she says, more mediocre male bodies taking podium places from female athletes. So the woman got third. So someone reached out to the woman who got third. Here's what she said. She said, it would be ridiculous to say that my life has been ruined by getting third. I had a great race. And it would have been more boring if, I, if it had been a smaller field without such strong competitors in it. That's all. The men are just strong competitors. We refuse to be falsely presented as victims in a manufactured controversy driven to further alienate and marginalize those most vulnerable within our community. Men? in service of rampant and harmful anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. Mm. We speak for ourselves. Inclusion makes our sport and community stronger. Men, having men in our sport makes it strong. Everyone is welcome here. Trans women are women. And her letter was co-signed by cisgender women of the Chicago Cycling Organization. Okay, so it's not just her. Okay, what do you want me to do? As a man... In this situation, ladies, what do you, what do you want? We, we, we try to come in and say, you can't, okay, guys, you can't do this. And all the women are like, no, no, it's great. Makes the sport stronger. Stop being so, stop being alien, stop marginalizing the most vulnerable within our community. Okay. See you later, I guess. Amazing. Saw a great meme. Starts off, uh, feminism started off as uh, we are equal to men. Then it turned into we don't need men. Then it turned into we are men. And now it's men are women. That's the new feminist meme in there. Men are women. Feminism. But eventually this organization, the cycling organization or whatever thing these trans people take over, uh, it will be destroyed because that's what the left does. The left left loves to destroy. Um, They desecrate things. The Senate chamber. They desecrate language. Men are women. Johns Hopkins put out their politically correct terminology list. The, their, their LGBTQ glossary. It's a real thing. Uh, you can't use the wrong words because you're marginalizing people. So a lesbian is now a non-man attracted to non-men. Uh, the word vagina is now replaced with bonus hole. Not kidding. The Church of you know the Church of England Church of England just did uh, their first gay marriage, and uh, they're considering making God gender neutral. So there's some churches put that in quotes who refer to God as she. Uh, and the Church of England is uh, in an effort to recognize that the English language is a colonizing nation, uh, la- uh, the language of a colonizing language nation. I can't even get out. The, 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 the English language is the language of a colonizing nation. So therefore, English itself is oppressive. And uh, we, therefore, we have to change God's pronouns. Can you believe the pride? It's great. But so they do. They tear everything down. So language should be used to get us to think higher. And now they turn body parts into bonus holes. 
So you can't use the word girlfriend anymore. Girlfriend is now a non-man friend with a bonus hole. See how this works? Women are now referred to as egg producers. This is I'm not. This isn't a joke. This is a misogynist who are coming up with these words. These are women who are coming up. Other women are coming up with the term egg producer. <laughs> you would think it'd be the most misogynistic men in the. If the university system was controlled by men, they would they would start calling women egg producers to somehow other them from humanity. But no, it's women who are doing this. It's women who think Dylan Mulvaney is a woman. There's a company of, uh, they sell menstrual products. And uh, it's like a, a new, new, new one, new company that does this. And the founder and the CEO says most bleeders know how they're impacted by their period. Most bleeders. So this is a, a female-owned run company for female products who refers to women as bleeders. Okay. I'm not doing this. Men aren't doing this. What do you want me to do? So on, on the far, I don't want to call, I'll call it even the right or left. That's not quite it in this case. But on, on one extreme, you have the full-blown misogynists who view women as nothing but bodies with bonus holes who bleed. Right? And then on the other extreme, you have the feminists who refer to themselves as bodies with bonus holes that bleed. And they join together in a circle of harmony and, and unity and togetherness. Jeez. The only time you'll ever hear the left use the word woman is when it comes to abortion. But even then, that gets mixed up from time to time. Isn't that crazy? So, listen, if you get third place women in your sporting event to a bunch of dudes and you're okay with it, all right, you got to get you got to get your yourself in line. All the other women need to get you you work with on your among your other women. All right, conservative women, you got to get your other women in line before the men really can come in and do anything. Now, listen, you can uh, dismiss this as all silliness. That's fine. But these people are deadly serious. And most young people believe this stuff. And the, the left's plan is just to wait. If you indoctrinate enough young people from a young enough age, it's just a matter of time before the old people die off. And the old people with their outdated views will die off. And then there'll be no one to protest or contest their beliefs. So there's a Harvard poll, which we need to spend more time digging into, but we'll just give you the, the top line here. This is, uh, they broke it down by age. So 18 to 24 year olds. The question is, uh, are Jews oppressors? And, and should they be treated as oppressors? The Jews. 67% of 18 to 24 year olds said Jews are oppressors and should be treated as oppressors. 67%. Ooh -wee. That's, uh, that's a problem. Where did this mindset come from? Oh, probably the same place where uh, women think that men are women came from. Probably the same. Where did this worldview come from? How can so many young people think this way? Now you give someone a fact that Jews are 0.2% of the world population and there's 6 million Jews in the entire United States of America. And by every single measurement, they're the most oppressed group in all of history. But somehow a vast majority of young people think that they're the oppressors, the oppressors today. Weird. 60% of 18 to 24-year-olds think that the October 7th attack can be justified by Palestinian grievances. Okay, so 60% of young people think that what Hamas did is okay. So like, how are we going to fight a war against Hamas? I'm not suggesting we do. You know what I mean? How are we going to fight a war against evil? Now we're in the future. When if those evil people do evil things, a vast majority of our young people think it was great what they did. It's great or like understandable. I understand what it is. So who are we to say? Who are we to judge? I'm not going to judge them. Fight them? Kill them? No. They're freedom fighters. Those are, those are our, that's our military. Oh, Breitbart had an article this morning. I didn't have a time to read it here. Oh, where is it? It was about, here it is. Gen Z soldiers engaged in TikTok mutiny, discouraging army recruits 
And here's some examples of this. So these are these are, are soldiers who go on TikTok and complain. They complain about the food. They complain about having to stay in shape. Oh, maybe we can talk about that a little later. We're, we're 41,000 uh, personnel underneath our recruiting goal for 2023. 41,000. So in response to that, we right now, right now, we have the smallest military in American history since 1940. That's where we're at right now in the United States military. The Air Force had to lower their fitness standards where now men can have 26% body fat and women can have 36% body fat in order to be in the military. We're lowering standards across the board in every way. And here we have our soldiers in in TikTok, obviously a Chinese app, Chinese propaganda app, complaining about having having to stay in shape, complaining about how their freedoms are suppressed. Five reasons not to join the military. A guy says, while in uniform, 60% 60% of active duty service members are overweight or obese. Yeah, of course your freedoms are going to be suppressed in the military. Okay, so we're not going to have young people who even join the military. We're seeing it right now. Especially when you got 60% of them who think that the, the Hamas freedom fighters are justified. And then even the ones who maybe don't, they're, they're too fat to even join. So we got no, we'll know to join the military. Now here's the thing. 60% of 18 to 24-year-olds think what the Hamas did is justified. Among those who are 65 and older, only 9%. See the difference? That's the two countries. People talk about the two Americas. It's not red state, blue states. Although, yes, of course. It's not city versus country. Yes, of course. It's another division. It's like 45 plus. Obviously 65 plus, but the, the, the numbers are still pretty drastic. Around 45. That's the division in our country. 45 years old and over. And 45 and under. That's the division. By the way, fun fact here. If you were born in 1990 or later, or like before then. So 19, uh, yeah, 19, yeah, how do I word that, right? 1990 or 1989 or 1988 or 1988, whatever, right? If you were born in the 80s, then, uh, you are now older than Marv in Home Alone. Marv, the bad guy in Home Alone, was 33 when that movie came out. Just to make any millennials listening now feel, feel old. You are older than Marv. So that is a massive dividing line in our country. 1978, that's right? Yeah, 1978. So if you were born before 1978 and after 1978, you're completely divorced. Forget about if you were born in the year 2000 or more recently, right? You are, that is a lost generation. (laughs) 79% of Americans between 18 and 24, which is after the year 2000, right? 79% 79% of those people born in the year 2000, which by the way, if I met someone who was born, like if their birthday was uh, September 12th, 2002, I would think they're a literal infant. I wouldn't even, like, what do you mean 2002? Oh, they were just born the other day. They were just, and they're like, no, I'm 21. What? Born in 2002 and you're 21? That math doesn't add up. But sure enough, they're actually 21. So 79% of Americans between 18 and 24 think that white people are oppressors and that this ideology should be favored at universities and for employment. White people are oppressors. All right, how's this going? Is this going to go well, you think, for everyone here in this country? 79% of young people think that white people are oppressors? Where did this come from? Back to Breitbart News Daily. I want to go right to Neil Monroe, one of our wonderful border immigration, more immigration, but of course that's the border too, but immigration experts. And talk about 
this this deal from the Democrats, this proposal from the Democrats. Hey, you pass, you Republicans, you pass our $61 billion for Ukraine, and we will give you, right, our offer to you, our, in exchange for that, we will decrease the number of illegal immigrants coming in the country from 4 million to 1 million illegal immigrants per year. Is that a good deal? Would you take it? We talked to Neil Monroe about it. Neil, how you doing, brother? Simply wonderful. Life is great in Washington, D.C. There's no amount of stuff that's happening in D.C. that gets me up every morning to write more <laughs> articles for Breitbart. There's <laughs> plenty for you and plenty for us. We're glad you're here. How about this article you wrote? Uh, this deal that is coming from the White House, this, this proposal, this compromise, Neil, to Republicans. What's the, what's the, what's the compromise? Okay, like sometimes in D.C., things are pleasantly simple. Someone makes a grab for a billion dollars or passes and wants a nice straightforward law. This is not simple. This is layers and layers of deception and lunacy involved. Basically, Biden wants a deal on migration after letting in roughly 6 million people. What's going on? I mean, the the first important thing to remember is Biden is facing an election in uh, November. And he's way behind in the polls. And democracy is very powerful. So the leader, the U.S. government, is going to have to change policy if he wants to get reelected. Trouble is for Biden. His far left and his ethnic groups, Latinos, for example, don't want any changes in policy. They want the borders basically open to anyone coming into the country. Biden's team knows this is political suicide, so they need to change. How are they going to change without annoying his base, which is also political suicide? They're staging a gigantic game in order to pretend that the Republicans are making the Democrats change policy. Mm. So, so Biden's people are essentially saying, oh, look, the mean Republicans, the mean, horrible, bigoted, uh, racist, uh, xenophobic Republicans are making me close up the border somewhat. And that way... Biden and his team hope to reduce immigration, reduce the chaos, mend his polls, while allowing his progressives and his ethnic politics guys to pretend that he didn't cut back immigration. Okay. I want to make sure I get this right. So there's about 4 million illegal immigrants a year coming into this country. And the White, uh, yeah. House, and the White House says, if you, hey, Republicans, if you approve $61 billion in aid for Ukraine, in exchange, we'll lower, we'll lower the number of illegal immigrants to a million. So you're saying right. the, the benefit of that is to his base, he can say, I didn't, I didn't want to. The mean Republicans made us in order to get money for Ukraine. They're terrible people. But to the rest of the country yeah. who wants less illegal immigration, he, t- he can take credit for lowering the number of illegal immigrants. Exactly. It's beautiful. So we don't have to assume that Biden himself is sitting up in the White House calculating any angle here. No, it's his staff. These are the same. He filled his administration with clever, ambitious, very far left people. The border chief is a fellow named Mayorkas. He's born in Cuba. Um, he's zealously pro-migration. He has said this country is a nation of immigrants. And therefore, that that claim is more important than the law. And so basically, Mayorkas is opening as many legal holes in the border as he can. It's just like every day, almost uh, once a month, he'll announce a new program to let in another 100,000 or a million or whatever. Yeah. And so that man, Mayorkas, is on the negotiating team. He's not going to turn around and say, oh, I was wrong. We really should follow the law. There's too many immigrants. Drives up housing prices, drives down wages, and has all sorts of distortion effects in the economy. He's not going to say that. That's his entire career. So they're going through this deception. Now, the media, the establishment media, is basically 
fully controlled by the Democrats. Sure, sometimes they'll make life difficult for for Biden, but NBC, ABC, Washington Post, New York Times, etc., will continue this theme that it's Republicans, mean old Republicans, who are standing in the way of sad-eyed, dog, uh, puppy-eyed migrants arriving at the border. Hmm. So fine. Now, how is it working? Uh, it's not working too well because. The Republicans are divided, too. Like, there's a whole bunch of Republicans. Let's say, so, 50-odd Republicans in the Senate, 49. Easily 15 of them will go for a mass migration policy because they're donors and lovers. Easily. And roughly 15, maybe 20, will say, no, we have to think of Americans first, and you business guys... And all you liberals are just going to have to wait. You're you're not going to get all the bodies you want. So, but so now we have the weird scene where the Republicans who are very much for amnesty and migration and cheap labor. This would be, for example, Senator Lindsey Graham, are standing up and saying, "No, let's not do this deal. It's a stupid deal." And what? And and the Republicans know that Biden is in trouble. And so they're trying to drive a hard price. And, and, just, and, and the fight at the moment is sort of, you know, the fight, this larger fight slips and slides all over the place, but at the moment it's focused on a negotiating team that's set up by the Republican chief, Mitch McConnell, and the Democrats. And they're supposedly negotiating a deal for this. The Democrats want this negotiating team to come up with a solution this week. But 15 Republicans have just sent a letter to um, other Republicans saying, hold on, we're not going to rush into any deal. So let's just wait and have a meeting on January the 8th to decide what to do. It's very difficult to make a quick deal on immigration. The law is fantastically complex, full of loopholes, and under enormous pressure all the time because, well, millions of immigrants want to come to this country because life is better here. And uh, huge numbers of businesses want more consumers, more renters, and more workers. So you're constantly fighting to make sure the laws that exist are actually enforced. So the Democrats are not going to get a quick deal that they had hoped for. They're going to have to wait till January the 8th or so before uh, the Republican caucus sits down and talks about the deal that they're negotiating. Okay. So that's good. All right, I got a lot of questions. <clears throat> Talking with Neil Monroe. He's the Breitbart News Editor of Immigration and Civic Policy. Whose idea was it to combine the border, our border, with Ukraine aid at all? Excellent question. Okay, so that's one of those things that both sides decided to do, and they wound up in the same area. There were months ago, the Republicans on the House passed a comprehensive, effective bill to stabilize the chaotic, out-of-control border. That's called H or two. It's long. It's carefully vetted. There's uh, lots of immigration lawyers wrote it, so it will, so it'll work supposedly. So they want to pass that bill. So they're looking around for whatever leverage they can get. So they basically said, "Hey, we won't pass your Ukraine war bill until you pass our H or two border stabilization bill." Okay. The House says that. Democrats don't have to agree. They're over. They, Democrats control the Senate. But the, the Democrats in the Senate decided to link the two because they want money. They want they, – because they want to fix they – they have their election problem of all the migrants that Mayorkas, the border chief, has let in. So in the Senate is a gigantic bill offering roughly – 111 billion, a decent amount of money, um, 
for the war in Ukraine, 60 billion, for, to help Israel from the Hamas, and to give a little money to Taiwan for weapons. And it has $14 billion for migration. So that $14 billion bill is really important. So nobody's really talking about it. Everyone's going, oh, Ukraine, oh my gosh, Ukraine. But the $14 billion spending bill is really important. Okay, so Mallorcas and Biden are sitting in the White House watching millions of people come across the border. And in the next year, we're going to get millions more people. There are so many people coming across the border that they have to close down border gates in order to free up officers to register and release the migrants, to catch and release the migrants. There's so many people coming across the border. The administration can't, doesn't have the manpower to do anything else except take their name, their claims name, and say, here's a piece of document. You're in the country quasi-legally. Go and get a job. So that's a disaster. We've already seen how millions of migrants in New York and Chicago, uh, Denver, California, and other places have smashed Biden's poll rating. We now have had multiple polls showing a half, a third of Americans believe migration is more of a burden than a benefit. And that's only the start. So like every day we have thousands of people walking across the mountain range between South America and Central America on Colombia, in Colombia, Panama, heading north. They're heading north because they know New York as our border chief wants them to cross the border. Everybody in the world knows that New Yorkers and Biden will not stop them at the border. So we have millions of people heading for this country right now. And by the way, I fully agree with them. If you're a poor guy in Tanzania or Indonesia or Brazil or central China, and you have a kid or a couple of kids, the best thing you can do is get them into a school district in Indianapolis. The best thing you can do for your entire family is to get a legal foothold in America because all your descendants forever until the end of time will be American. It's magnificent for the rest of the world. They're actually giving away tickets to citizenship. You just have to walk through the jungle and head north. Admittedly, uh, fewer people are being killed now than used to be because New Yorkers has built, and I'm, it's true, New Yorkers operates buses from Panama to get migrants up to the United States. And so the $14 billion includes hundreds of millions of dollars to get people onto migration paths from South America what and the mean? rest of the world. What, what, what does that look like? Under what? Under what operation is that? So you could, migrants, ambitious people are criminals, are lunatics, are, but mostly just normal ambitious people, can go to places that are called safe mobility offices set up by Biden's deputies in various countries, in Central America and in South America. What, what, are they called? what are they called? Safe mobility? Yeah, safe mobility office. Okay. And there they can say, I'd like to go to America. And the nice civil servant there will say, well, maybe, maybe not. And the claim by New York's and companies, all these people are going to come to America anyway. Only they're going to use the drug cartels. Oh, and that's on. terrible because the drug cartels are mean and nasty and criminal. So you know what? You should come by U.S. government communication, U.S. government pathways. The New York has built and operates a smuggling system that competes with the cartel, the human body. Come on. How do they get, I'm looking at the website right now, immigrationforum.org. What are safe mobility offices? I've never heard of these. So. Of course not. That's what I said. It's fantastically complicated to hide all these people from ordinary Americans. The the law is cover for, for a national policy of importing more workers more consumers and more renters into our consumer economy. So when the government says, we're growing the economy, what they mean is 
we brought in more people to rent apartments, more people to eat hamburgers, more people to work mm. in the job. So it's like this whole thing is driven by economics. Yeah. Okay, we extract human resources from countries all over the world, like and mostly from nearby, from Haiti, from Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and and that way we create more businesses. We increase the volume of profits, and Wall Street is happy as Larry, but fine. So that's the underlying machine, by the way, a massive policy of extracting human resources from nearby countries to grow the economy. Anyway, fine. So Biden and New Yorkers have this gigantic thing running, and it costs money because you need to be able to build the – you need money to run the bus train the safe mobility offices to get the bus people from here to there. And most important, you need money to hide people here. So when migrants come across the country, especially in these volumes, what are they going to do? Sit around on the street, beg, work for minimum wage jobs that don't pay off their smuggling debt, that can't, that they, they, the people who come here need to work. Many of them are separated families. The father arrives with the kids and the wife are at home. He needs money. He needs a place to stay. He needs food. He needs a chance to get up and go. So the U.S. government takes these people and says, I'm going to feed you and house you, and sometimes I'm going to train you for jobs and until you're up and running. And so to do that, they need billions of dollars. And they're part of this Ukraine deal is they're asking for $14 billion to do this for, through the next year, in addition to the, the existing budget. If they don't get the money, the country streets are going to be full of them. There's going to be star not starving. There's going to be more crime, more homelessness, more chaos because the migrants will be on the street in crowded apartments uh, trying to feed their kids, etc. And uh, and there'll be more kids crowding into schools where the, the schools will be full and the American kids will be sitting in the hallway while they're trying to teach uh, foreigners who can't even speak English uh, how to get going in the United States. Yeah. So they the- need money, a lot of money, to hide this. I got, let me cut you off real quick because I can't, I can't get over this safe mobility office. This is a real yeah. quote from Mayorkas. These are places, so these are offices set up in Guatemala, Costa Rica, Colombia, et cetera. These are, there's a hundred of them. These are places where we feel a humanitarian as well as a security imperative to meet people where they are, that's other countries, to cut the smugglers out, that's what you said, and to provide them with a safe and orderly way to arrive in the United States if they qualify for relief. That is spectacular. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's as if the government has set up a desk in your local bank. And when I come to rob your bank, they say, don't rob the bank. It's dangerous and criminal. Yes. Here's yes. $1,000. Do you want some more? They are giving something away. Now, liberals and progressives will say, but it's so nice. It's so decent. It's so wonderful to share being America. We're a nation of immigrants. That's a crock. There is no country on the world that says we are not for our people. We're for foreign people. You can't. It's like having a marriage. And you say to your wife, well, you know, this, this marriage is really for all the women outside the marriage. It's just <laughs> insane. But they do it basically because the underlying economics. If, if, you're, if you're a stock owner, and a lot of us are stock investors, and we import people. Every time we an import, a imported immigrant buys a donut, sleeps in a hotel, uh, works a job for one dollar less, let's say we make a dollar in profit. Okay, mm. That dollar is worth $20 on Wall Street. It's that 20 to 1 that drives business and lobbies to bring in more migrants. And you can say, isn't America noble and generous? Don't migrants work hard? Yes, they work hard. Often they're very driven. It, it's true that they do commit some crime, but less than average across the United States. 
Uh, they're, they're humans just like us. And it's very difficult to say no to humans. But when you have mass migration, what it does, it drives up the price of housing, which means young American couples can't get married. It drives up housing, drives down weight. And that means people can't have get married. They have fewer kids. And pretty soon our population is, is um, births are shrinking. Here's another thing. When you bring in lots of migrants, they work hard. Because they're delighted to be in America. They need the cash. They don't mind uh, abuse so much. Came, they grew up in terrible conditions, but they're happy to be here. Fine. Well, under those circumstances, why would companies buy more machines to make Americans more productive? They don't. They simply hire a couple of migrants to produce more widgets. And so we actually become poorer per person when we bring in too many migrants. I mean, it's, migrants are great. In Washington, D.C., we have millions of them. We can use them for our garden, make them very pretty. Um, we can use them to make very cheap services, restaurants, for example. But that skews the whole economy in favor of people with money, people who own land. Everybody else suffers. Here's yes. another thing. If you're in Nebraska or um, Montana or Tennessee or Kentucky, and you are you know, the mayor of a town, and you guys have proudly educated, say, 100 American kids, and they're turning 18, and you've got them lined up in the city square, and everyone cheers for graduation, and isn't it wonderful? Now you have to find them jobs. Now, theoretically, you could call up Wall Street and say, hey, guys, I got 100 people here who are happy to work, bright, cheerful, optimistic, hardworking people. Uh, come and build a, a, a call center or a machine manufacturing center or software business in my little town because we got the label. Wall Street will listen you out on the phone and laugh and they laugh and they laugh because all they have to do is send a bus down to New York bus station, a minivan to pick up workers. Why would they bother investing in your town? when the federal government is feeding them more workers that they can possibly use. And so the investment stays on the coasts. Mm. Land prices go up on the coast. Jobs go up on the coast. But the middle of the country, not so much. Mm. So the migration is noble, is part of American history. Um, is a, like a, it's, a, it's wonderful for the migrants like myself. But you do it too much, you wreck your country. Yes. We're in the Talk. process of doing that. And other countries have learned it too, including Australia, England, Germany, Ireland. Too much is just too much. Talking with Neil Monroe, Breitbart News, editor of Immigration and Civic Policy. Uh, my last question for you, Neil. Uh, so the, the Democrats, their offer is you pass the $61 billion for Ukraine and, and more, and we will lower... We'll, we're turn, like a like a dial, like a knob. We got a little dial here. We've been told that they, you know uh, they can't control the border, but surely they can because they want to decrease. They are willing to decrease it from four million to one million, so they can have that much control over the border if they want. So we're going to lower it from four million to one million illegal immigrants every year. Neil, uh, are you okay with one million illegal immigrants every year, or what would you suppose the Republicans should do in response to that offer? Okay, here's the thing. Every year, Americans give birth to three and a half million kids. There used to be five and higher. So every year, we birth three and a half million little, you know, uh, 12-inch immigrants. And they lie <laughs> on the table, and they scream for food, and we have to spend a huge amount of money to turn these little babies into Americans. That's 3.5 million. That's 3.5 million Americans every year. We bring in a, already... Too many legal immigrants under a million a year. So you got three point seven American kids on the table there in front of you, and we bring in two of them. We, in addition, bring in one million or so temporary workers. Okay, so that's now we got seven American babies on the table and two legal immigrants and one temporary worker. And Biden is bringing in four million illegal. So on the table you now have seven little Americans. And you have seven immigrants. What kind of a country 
brings in one immigrant for every one native-born person. Mm. The kind of a country that doesn't give a damn about its own children. I mean, the children now, a kid is born, by the time they get to, in, in your lifetime, you have seen the price of housing rise far faster than your parents. Our economy used to be built on cheap land, and high productivity. But they've moved all the factories to China deliberately. So now we have an economy been built on cheap labor and expensive land. Yes. So yes. really, Americans have to decide, do you want one immigrant for every one of your children or you want less? Yes, that's right. Oh, well, very good. Neil Monroe, Breitbart News Editor, Immigration and Civic Policy. When you go to Breitbart.com and you see uh, an immigration article by uh, Neil Monroe, you always got to look at the byline when you're Reading yeah. the Breitbart.com article because you know you, you know all the everyone listening knows all the Breitbart people now you know uh, there's Neil Monroe right there Neil appreciate you keep up the wonderful work then uh, I'm delighted to I got to pay back for my green card thank you bye <laughs> thank you sir uh, and, and next time we talk to Neil I do want to ask him more about his uh, I believe Scottish background thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily grateful you're here Slater at Breitbart.com is the email Slater at Breitbart.com Slater Radio on Twitter tomorrow we'll talk more about that TikTok and our military recruitment we have the smallest military now uh, than any time in history since 1940 it's not good right talk more about that tomorrow's show Mike Slater Breitbart News Daily spread the word